0: Grab out your Bible and your notes, um, or now is a great time here in January to download the Victory Church app. Uh, if you'd like to do that, we got some fill-in-the-blank versions of the notes there in the message notes section. Just click on this weekend's message. Uh, if you'd like to write down whatever it is you like to write down, you can take your own notes on the thing. If you're new to Victory, we, we enjoy taking notes. Uh, we believe that God speaks to us during these times that we have together, whether in worship uh, or during the sermon, That something God draws something out of his word, and we write those things down. Uh, if you're like me, you forget it five minutes after you hear. Or you see it. So we write those down and then we reference them in our spiritual journey. So we reference them as we continue together, create some spiritual momentum as we do this life together. A couple of things before we jump into God's Word that I want to draw your attention to. And the first one is today is day eight of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so if you you don't know what that is, you don't, you can jump in right now. There is no, there is no condemnation for where were you last Tuesday, where you can jump straight into this thing. You can take a part of it because how, how important it is to start our year with prayer and fasting. And we give you a little bit of a resource. I know fasting can be a little intimidating if you've never done it before. And so we've got a website at victoryharvest.com fasting. Just want to help you out with that. Just want to help you kind of walk through different types of fast, different things that you can do, some resources there for you. Uh, if you'd like to check those out, we'd love for you to be a part of it. Because it's a wonderful thing that we do where we separate ourselves. We quiet the world and our own flesh and our bodies that most of the time are calling the shots. And we begin to reorient ourselves spiritually. We begin to get the things that are really important begin to make them important in our priorities. And so fasting disconnects us from that, from the world and from the world's voices and things that try to speak into our lives. And then prayer connects us to God. That's why we combine them at the beginning of the year. And Then these times of prayer that we have connects us to our father where we begin to hear his voice more clearly because we've shut out all the other voices. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that with us. Would love for you to take that journey. In fact, if you've never fasted before, let me just kind of give you a quick primer on it, because uh, most of the time we associate fasting with just giving up food where we just say, well, I'm just not going to eat. And that could be a little intimidating, but sometimes people, it's not just giving up all food. Some people cut out just certain things from their diets, things that they love, things that they enjoy, uh, foods that maybe they've never been able to give up. They just have. So a lot of people cut those out during the times of fasting. Some people don't even do food. They just keep eating during the 21 days, but they fast from something else, maybe culturally, where they might not watch television or they might fast from social media, uh, their apps on their phones. Some of you are twitching when I say that, which probably is a good indicator that's something that you should consider giving up for the fast. Uh, something you should take a break from and refocus on the Lord. Uh, and then we'll be praying as well in these 21 days. Uh, 6 a.m. to 6 to 7 a.m. and then 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Whichever one fits your schedule uh, better. Whichever one you're able to make. So I imagine tomorrow we'll have more of the 6 a.m. crowd. Come on, somebody. We'll just, if you'd like to. But just, uh, just whichever one. And if you're not physically able to make it with us to pray, we stream all of the services online. And so all those prayer times. We'd love for you to join in with us. Just have that plan as you pray uh, in your home, in your car, at work, wherever you are, you can have that in the background uh, playing where you can just begin to pray and then everybody does something in the spirit of fasting. Uh, Everybody as a part of the church would just continue to seek the Lord because I'm convinced everything that we see, every fruit that we see, whether it's lives changed or people getting saved, all of this comes out of our times of prayer and our times of fasting. All of the, the momentum that we see in our lives, it all comes out of these times we've set aside at the beginning of the year that we say, okay, God, I give you the first. I give you the first of my year, I give you the first of everything, I give you the first of my morning, I give you the first of my time when I have free time, I give you the first of it, Lord. And then we see that happen in our lives, alright? As we do this, we're starting a new series today called One Life to Live. We're starting a brand new series as we do this, and we're going to end the month of January in this, as we do the 21 days, and we're going to be in this series. Let me just kind of set up the thought for you. And that is if today, if you were told when the end of your life would be, If today someone came up to you and they told you with certainty when the end of your life, whether you had 50 years left to live, whether you had 10 years left, whether you had a year left, whether you had a diagnosis where you had 30 days left to live, if you were told that, how would you change your life? What would you change in your life? If you were told you had 30 days left on this planet, what things would you change in the life that you're living? And so my question for you would be, if those things would change, because I think a lot of us would change some things. I think we change some perspectives. I think we change some priorities. I think we change some actions. We change some things that we're doing. I think the question for you throughout this series is going to be, if those were the things we would change, why wouldn't you and I change them now? If those were the way that we would live, if we knew that there was an end coming, why wouldn't you and I begin to make those changes now? And so each week we're going to wrestle through this, some different aspects of life that I believe we're called to make changes in. If we really want to live the life that God has called us to live, if we really want to change some things, if we really would, if we'd get our priorities straight, if we get our perspective straight, if we would begin to love, if we would begin to do these different things, then why won't we do them now? Why would we make those changes So what would you change? What would you what would you change in your life if you were told that you had 30 days? If you were told that that's what you had left in this life. And I just want to walk through a few of them with you this morning as we talk about this just for a few minutes. First one, jot it down that I think we would change is you would be where you are, that you would be where you are. You'd want to be where you are if you only had 30 days. Let me kind of explain that for you. And that is a lot of us get stuck in when then syndrome. A lot of us are stuck in that in our lives. And what that basically says is when I'm in a different season of my life, then I'll be happy. When I'm in a different season of my life, then I'll be fulfilled. Then I'll be actually doing what I really want to do. And when I'm in a different season, and if we play that game, if we allow the devil to trap us in that game, a lot of us do this for our entire lives. A lot of us have our spent our entire every year that we've got in this when then. When I'm in high school, I'm always thinking I'm going to get into college and then everything will be great. And when I'm in college, I've got all these things and I'm thinking, well, if I can just get out of college and make some money, then things will be great. Then I'll be actually, you know, happy and, and successful in my life. And then we think, well, if I could just find my spouse, then everything would be happy. And then you think, well, OK, well, when I have kids, then everything will be great and stuff. And when I finally get rid of these kids, come on, somebody, well, then, then I'll, I'll enjoy the space in my house and I'll enjoy retirement. And we always live this living for the next season and we never live in the season that we're in. We're never thinking about the joy and the moments and the things that God has given us in the life that we have right now. We're always living for the next. And the thing that's so toxic about that is we live through every season thinking about it. And not only are we looking to the future, but then we also look back on the seasons we lived in and we call those the good old times. And we say, well, those were the good old days. And so we're not only just looking to the future and living in the season we're going to. We're always living in the past season as well. And we're never actually in the moment that we're in. We're never enjoying this. We're always when I get there, then this will happen. Or what I went through. Those were the good old days like that time, right? Where you Airbnb that beautiful house in Gulfport right there on the beach. And you planned and you anticipated and you showed up and you found out that they were just really good at taking pictures. Come on, somebody. They just... If I sound personally specific, this is because I am, all right? This is something... We showed up and it was awful, all right, everybody? It was just the worst possible... I, I, I'm i convinced they photoshopped the floors in these rooms, all right? Because I'm standing in the room with my phone and the picture of the room. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no... The wall should be like out there. I don't, I don't under... There's just no way, and maybe, and then you show up right, and you find okay, well, the house is fine. You go down to the beach, and you find out there's ten miles stretch that humans are not allowed in the water because of flesh-eating bacteria. That was not in the description of the home that I rented. All right, never let me, never let me plan your family vacation. All right, just never. It will not end well. We didn't have any fun. It was horrible. All right, everybody, it was absolutely horrible. And I told my wife Alyssa while we were there, you know what we need to do? We need to film ourselves. We need to film ourselves talking to our future selves, pleading with them to never come back here. To never, never come back to the We need to, like, warn ourselves. Because you know what's going to happen is we're going to get home. And a couple of years are going to pass, right? And then we're going to begin thinking, well, we kind of had fun. We should try that again. We should go back there. Remember, we had a little... That was fun. And, that, and we began to say, and I said, just never let me come back here. Because sure enough, what happened a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you remember that place? We, we ought to try that again. We ought to go back. I think that was kind of fun. Maybe they got all the bacteria out of the water. I don't know. Maybe they... Maybe they did. She's like, no, you you promised you swore you would never you would never go back there. But I think a lot of us do that. A lot of us do that. We we live through these seasons of life and we hated it while we were there. But then when we came through it and we start to get nostalgic and we start to look back on it, we say, well, those were the good old times. Those were good. We got to learn how to make the good old times. Now, we got to learn how to begin to enjoy the moments that we're living in. We need to learn how to make the moment that God has given us matter. James chapter four. Watch this early in the chapter. He says, now, listen. So listen up. One translation says you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business. We'll make some money. You are saying, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It's a mist. It's a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. Then it vanishes. James says you're trying to live for tomorrow. Today is what you get. You're trying to always live for tomorrow. Today is what you get. I love in 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking to them now in the spiritual. That's the physical where you're saying, well, today and tomorrow. Then he's talking to them about salvation where he's saying, he's saying, you say, well, you know, salvation in the day of the Lord's favor. The prophecy says it's coming. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation. And so for those of you who are saying, well, you know, I got to get everything in this season together and then maybe later in my life I'll come back to Jesus or maybe maybe later in my life I'll get things with God. Right. But first I have to do this. He's saying, no, no, now today is the day you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I think a lot of us, if we only had 30 days to live, a lot of us would begin to be where we are, We begin to live in the moment, begin to just treasure every moment for what it is, because that's all we get. You're not guaranteed another one. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't have all those things. This moment is all we have. But you say, well, pastor, I have more than 30 days to live. I have more years. So I, You got a plan. I got a plan for, you know, one year plan, a five year plan. I got to have a 10 year plan. I got to have. That's fine. Plans are great. I'm with you. You can plan all you want. Planning is wonderful. Go ahead and make your plans for the future, but live in the present. Make your plans for the future, but live in the present. Let's live in the moment. Let's enjoy the season that we're in, the life that God has given us. If you're in high school, man, soak it up. Soak up all the good. You might think you have pressure. You have no idea. All right, everybody. You just you don't even know if you're in college. Just enjoy that time. Man, if you're you're doing you're. you're I know there's some pressures and there's some things that are thing. You might be having some debt uh, you might be doing, but just enjoy that moment. It's an incredible time. Enjoy that you are meeting people that you will borrow money from for the rest of your life. Come on, somebody. You are. You know, just enjoy that when you're out here. If you're single, you might think you don't have a lot of free time. You don't even know what busy is. All right. Or you, you enjoy your free time because you got a lot of it. All right. You got you got because if you don't think you have a lot of it, wait till you get married and God help you when you have kids. All right. I'm just going to say just just enjoy that time that you have. But we're always living for the season. Whatever season there is. though, no, just embrace it. Whatever season you're in, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the life that God has put in front of us, because what a tragedy it would be for us to get to the end of our lives. And look back with a lot of happy memories, but having never enjoyed the moments when we were in them. To look back on the life that we're living when we get to the end and have all those happy memories, but never have enjoyed the moments that we lived in. I think it also applies to the actual moments of life. I think a lot of us are physically present, but we're emotionally absent. From the different moments that we're living in. I think we're physically present. I think it's becoming normal for our culture. How true is it when we're at home. We're always thinking about work. When we're at work. We're always thinking about the weekend. When we're at church. We're thinking about sports. Or the food afterwards. Right. The guy said fast. So how fast can I make a lunch reservation. Is what I want to know. Right. The guy. I just. I'm thinking about food. Because you're talking about it. It's amazing how quickly our minds drift. How quick. And we're emotionally absent from the moments of life. And to be perfectly honest with you, one of my New Year's resolutions is that I would be fully present in every environment that I'm in, that I would be fully present in every environment. So if you call me and you get my voicemail, I'm probably with somebody and a lot of you do get my voicemail. I know somebody's complained about that a few times because if I'm with somebody. They take priority. We begin to live in the life. I can't tell you how many times I'll be waiting in a checkout line or I'm I'm waiting to get my food at a fast food place. And this may sound creepy, but I I watch people for a living. I don't know if you know that. That's just what I do. I like to people watch. I'm a pastor, and so I help people through just decisions in life and help pastor people. And so I like to watch people groups and interactions and how culture works. I just enjoy it. I I like watching people. And I can't tell you how many times I'll be in a restaurant or in a line or whatever it is. I'll look over at a table, and there are a lot of people at it None of them talking to each other, like nobody even interacting, even a little like they're all on their phones. They might be liking each other's pictures, but they're not interacting like actually talking to one another. There's no there's no interaction. And I think honestly, I think something that's stealing a lot from us is technology. And I, I don't want to harp on it. I don't want to seem like the, you know, the one who just always comes down. But I think it is stealing something from us in our interactions from person to person. Because forget the days that we would actually even like hang up our call or our cell phone to respect the person in front of us at the checkout or right at the drive through. Like we just continue with our with our conversation and don't even treat them like they're human. And thank God for Walmart, right? We've just eliminated the person altogether. We check ourselves out, right? We're like, like checking, we're like apologizing to ourselves as we check ourselves out. Like we just, we just continue. I don't know. We just, we, we don't even, we don't. So check, check this statistic out. I just want to give you a couple of things I found. The first one, 85% of users will check their phone while they are speaking with friends or family. Come on, somebody. That is 85%. Anybody bold enough that we all do it? Anybody bold enough to admit this is what? a Bunch of liars in this. All right, here we go. We got this. And reality is we're all guilty of this. I am guilty of this. Like some of my staff or someone from the church will text me or call me and I'll be talking with my wife, Alyssa, and we'll be talking about something and the phone. And the longer that goes on, it's like, can we like wrap this up? Because it might be something important. It might be, you know, it might be something really important. And you've done this right where you're talking with your spouse and your phone is buzzing and you're thinking like, I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. i got to keep eye contact. I know I should I just did. Okay. I'm... It never ends well for your marriage, right? When you decide you want to check your phone while you're talking. Because you're going to look back up and your spouse is going to be standing there. Like, is someone on fire? Is that, is someone, because we are having a conversation here. We are having, I've been forgiven of that. All right, everybody. That's just, just want you to do that. But we've all done this. We do this to the people around us and we devalue them as people. And I think it's a problem that we have. Do you know the average user spends 171 minutes? A day on their smartphone. That's average. That's not those of you who have a problem. And there are a bunch of you who have a problem. Way more than 171 days. 171 minutes. And so average though. 171 minutes. Check it out. On average. The cell phone user. Swipes. Taps. Clicks their phone. 2,617 times a day. That's average. So thousands and thousands and thousands of interactions with a device. I don't think cell phones are of the devil. I just think that we need to understand. For many of us. We're not living in the moment. We're not living in the present. We're not where we are. If you only had 30 days to live, you would look people in the eye. You would begin to ask questions. You would interact with the people around you. You would begin to see what matters. I think a whole bunch of us would. We'd be where we are. And I'm just encouraging you this. Be fully present. If you're with your family, be with your family. Engage with your kids. Like, ask questions. Don't all just stare at a screen. Like, really engage with them. Have a conversation. Begin to live. If you're at work, then be at work. Don't be daydreaming. Be thinking about other things. Man, be engaged. If you're at church, then be at church. And man, if you're just investing in the spirit and the presence of God, if you're just experiencing that, if you're worshiping, given all that you have, let's just be in thing. Bible says in Psalms 118, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Let's be glad and rejoice in it. This is the day. This is the only moment we can enjoy because this is the only moment that we have. This is the moment that you've been given. And I think a lot of us, though, the danger is we're filtering our life Through our cell phones, we're filtering our life through our devices like this never made sense to me. But, oh, let me let me I'm enjoying this moment. I'm really enjoying this time. I'm having my my kids are doing whatever it is. Let me take myself out of the moment and let me take my phone out and let me begin to film. And then I can filter it and post it and come back later and enjoy this moment. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not against pictures. Take the picture. and Remember the moment. But when all you're doing is filming everything that's happening so you can watch it later. You're not living in the moment. You're not enjoying it makes no sense to me. We went to Disney about four years ago and we went uh and they have this this fireworks display, it's supposed to be the greatest thing on the planet, greatest fireworks. So we're there enjoying that. And at the you, you know at Magic Kingdom, and it was great. It's it's amazing. The stuff's blowing up in front of us, behind us, all around us, right? You just think the whole world is blowing up. It's just incredible. But at some point we're enjoying that and standing there, and I look down, and I about a hundred percent of the people around me are not just videoing it. Not just because that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you video fireworks? Like, why would you? Are you really going to watch that later? Are you really going to? Like, that's great. I like when that one exploded there. Like, that was really, that was really cool. I don't know if you're going to. But they're not just videoing it. What's worse is they're actually watching it in the moment through their cell phone, like through the lens. So they're videoing it and they're watching or through the iPad, which just looks ridiculous when they have the tablet up there filming. But they're just they're watching it through that like, you could have stayed home and done that for free. Come on, somebody. You could have just got the video from somebody who's standing around you. Just watch their video if you wanted to do, you wanted to save a whole lot of money. But I've, I'm, I'm, I'm past that, alright? That's the, but that's the best it will ever be. Because you're filtering everything that you're seeing and you're experiencing it, not with your eyes. You're not watching it. You're experiencing it through the lens. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on the life that God wants us to live because we're filtering it through things that don't even matter. We're missing out on the life God's called us to live, to be in the moment, to be where you are. I don't think social media is of the devil. I just think a lot of us are pushing pause on our real life to participate in a fake one. I think a lot of times we're letting that steal from us. Just be where you are. Let's live in the moment. Let's enjoy the life God has called us to live. Let's begin to interact with people. That's what we would do if we had 30 days to live. Another thing we would do, jot it down if you're taking notes, is you would do what you could. We would do what we could. You do what you can, because, see, I think the sad reality is a lot of us will reach our deathbeds. A lot of people will reach the end of their lives and they'll look back on a whole lot of good intentions that they had that never became actions. They never turned those good intentions into an actual action. It was just the good that they intended to do. I had all these good intentions. I really wanted to do that and I really wanted to step out there. And I felt like I should have done that in that season, but I just didn't do it. I never got to it. So I don't know what good intentions you have. Maybe it's the stuff on your list for the new year. Maybe it's your resolutions where you say, this is the year I'm going to read my Bible every day. This is the year I'm really going to seek after God. This year I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to take my wife on a date. I'm going to spend time with my kids, really engage with them. Uh, This is the year I'm going to strike out, maybe turn my career in a different direction. or, Or this is the year I'm going to start that company. We all have these good intentions and we write down. And then the next year they're the same things on the list. And then the next year and the next year. And I think if we had 30 days to live, we would do what we could. We would begin to strike out in those different areas. Bible tells us in James four, a little later in the chapter, verse 17, because a lot of us know the actions that we think we should take. But did you know that sometimes an action that we should take that we don't matters more for Christians? Watch this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. They know the good they ought to do. Because a lot of us are familiar with the actions that go against God's word. We understand when it violates his principles. We understand that. But for a whole bunch of us, when God speaks to us and says, I want you to step out in this area. or I want you to do this or that good. or I want you to do this thing. If we leave those things undone and we for, if for whatever reason, we say, I'm going to leave that as an intention for right now. I'm not going to do that. It would just be an intention. I'm just going to for us. That's sin. When God leads us to step out, God leads us to do something. We know the good that we ought to be doing, but we don't do it. He calls us to do something and we pass. It makes me wonder how many of us have so many good intentions that never turn to action. How many of us have so many things that we have in our hearts that we wanted to do, that we intended to do, but we we'll never bring them to pass. And so I begin to ask the question, why then? Why do we have so many intentions? Because I've got a whole bunch of them. I know a lot of you do where we have so many. Why then don't we see them? And I'll tell you why. It's because time the Holy Spirit calls us, to make a change anytime he calls us to do something the devil always gives us an excuse to stay the same he always gives us an excuse to say the same that we are because I think in our culture we're gravitating more and more towards having a victim mentality I think a whole lot of us are gravitating in our lives and our personalities in the way that we were in the way we view the world we're gravitating towards a victim mentality you say well I don't think that's true of my life let me let me help you see it. And again I'm not condemning anyway. I suffer from these things too. We we walk through these things together. But I just want to help you kind of see it. What a victim mentality. A victim says I am the way that I am because somebody did something to me. Because something happened to me because some circumstance or some season or some thing happened to me. And so it's not my fault that I'm the way that I am. This is just the way that I am. It's not my fault that I'm hurt, it's not my fault that I can't do this or I can't go. And so we look through life with a very cynical outlook. We look at life through a very critical lens and we begin to see everything in a bad light. And we can't expect God's best for us because we see everything through the view of that. We see everything through the view of that thing. And so everything becomes cynical. Everything becomes critical. And then you rally around people who also have a sad story. And so you're always one upping their sad story with your sad story. And you're always always living in that critical, cynical lifestyle. Some of you are having a revelation. You're saying, good Lord, I am married to a cynical, critical person. Come on, somebody. We, we have this victim mentality. So many of us take that on and it holds us hostage because we constantly have excuses for why we can't do something. And we constantly have excuses for why we can't step out and why we can't, we can't be that way because we're just the way that we are because of that thing. It becomes a part of us. Well, Jesus confronted this mentality. It's a great story. It's in John chapter 5. Jesus comes up to this pool and he comes to this pool that's in the middle of the city. And in this pool, the angel would come down and it would stir the water of the pool and the first person into it would be healed. And so naturally, that would attract a lot of the Bible says a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And so there's a man there at the pool who had been sick. It says he's been an invalid for 38 years. He hasn't been able to walk. And so, see, this wasn't just an issue that he kind of struggled with. This is a lifelong thing for 38 years. He has struggled with this thing for 38 years. And so Jesus sees this guy living there in this condition. He saw him lying. He learned that he'd been in there for such a long time. And he comes up to him and he asks him this question that I'm asking you this morning. And that is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because it seems almost like an offensive question. And honestly, I wouldn't have asked it if Jesus didn't ask it in the first place. This seems like an offensive, but it's a good question to ask. Do you want to get well? You have your list, the resolutions in your heart. You have the things that you want to change, the things that you put down. Chances are they're very similar to the ones you wrote last year and the year before that and the year before that. And so my question for you would be, do you want to change? Do you want to get well? Because all of us can answer this question in the physical. We all want healing. We all would say, yes, I I would like to be healed of this or of that. But what about in the spiritual? Those things that you're writing down, those things that you want to change in your life, those habits you want to create, the things you want to form. Do you really want to get well? Because, see, there are consequences for this type of answered prayer. There are consequences for these things because then you've got to change your life. There are consequences when God actually answers those prayers, because then you have to change the way that you're living. And maybe you've had a rough patch or or you were cheated in something or you got the short end of the stick, whether it was in social status or, or education or whatever it is, whatever thing you thought that, okay I got the short end of that. And you feel like, okay I was the victim of that. And I just want you to hear me if that's where you're living. Maybe the thing that's keeping you from health and the thing that's keeping you from recovery is the fact that then you don't get a free pass to fly off the handle at everybody because then you have to take responsibility for your emotions. Because maybe maybe you don't get a free pass to then act the way you want to because you have to take responsibility. Do you want to get well? We all see it in the natural. We see it. If you want that dream job that you've been praying God for, if you want to get that, you got to get up and take a shower, right? And get dressed and shave and show up early and work hard. You got to do those things if you want to get that. If you want the spouse, you got to, you know, you've been looking for them and you've been praying God for that. You got to get some selfishness out of your life so somebody can be a part of your life and you got to join back together. You got to have those different things. You got to change some things because there are consequences for answered prayer. There are things that have to change in your life. You want to build a spiritual life, you want to get closer to God. You want to say, I want to be a disciple of Christ. You got to pick up your cross daily. You got to walk unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got to follow His will for your life. There's some things that need to change. There are consequences for answered prayer. So I ask you again: do you want to change? Do you want to get well? Because the thing that's amazing about people who have a victim mentality, and people who suffer through that, is they'll never answer a yes or no question with a yes or no. It's a simple question. Do you want to get better? But they'll always have a story. Their lives become defined by that story. Their lives become defined by that worldview. It becomes a part of who they are. And so they always have it. And so this guy is no different. He too had a story. Watch, he says this, sir. He replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. Everybody gets in ahead of me when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in, somebody else gets the miracle. And so I'm the way that I am. He's got a sad story. Jesus didn't say, oh, man, I really feel bad for you. Like, I really feel that's a really sad story. You have my permission now to feel bad for yourself for the rest of your life. Like, I just give you emotional position to just just be mad at everybody else and just enjoy your sad story. Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he tells him how he's going to fix it. He tells him how he's going to heal. him. verse eight, he says to him, I want you to do what you can. You see, if we had 30 days, we would do what we could see in this instance, in this miracle. Jesus knows that if he just does it for the man, then this man is just going to wait for other people to do. This man has this complex of other people doing things for him and he would always just live his life. Jesus knows that he doesn't need that. And so he says, I want you to stand up to pick up your mat and to walk. He asked him to take a step. And I want you to know today that what you're going to do, the thing and the change that's going to happen in your life is not dependent wholly upon you. I want to make that clear. It's not dependent wholly upon you. It's dependent on the one who lives inside of you. The change that's going to happen, the thing that he's asking you to do. But God will ask you to take the step. He'll ask you to step out. And so Jesus asked him to do what seems impossible to the man. He says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Somewhere in the process of doing what you can do, we're going to have to give all we have. We're going to do what we can do, but we're going to have to give all that we have. And the truth is, if you had only 30 days left to live, you would want to give it your all. You would want to give it your all, even if it seems impossible what God is asking. You would want to give it your all. You want to give it your best. And like I said before, this is not a normal thing in our culture. It's not normal to give all that we have at work and give all that we have to our families and to go all out in every area of life. It's not the normal thing to do. And I don't know what keeps us from going all out. But there is something. There is something that keeps us from giving all that we have. You know, I don't make any bones about it that I really, really enjoy sports. I think I've told you that before. That I enjoy I enjoy both watching and competing in sports. I just something and I don't I I just something about it, I love to compete. And if you've ever played a sport with me, I apologize because I just love I, I enjoy competition. I don't want to just compete, I want to win. All right, everybody, there's a difference. I don't just enjoy the competition, I want to win. And I want to win so badly that I steal your will to live. All right. I just don't want you to even I don't want you to ever want to compete again. I just don't want you to even enjoy the sport anymore. I just want to crush you. I just, just, just who I am. All right, there we go. Another confession for you. It's why I don't play sports with a lot of you. I kind of keep my distance and try to. No. It's just, it's something I want. I want to compete in every area. In fact, before we, before we had kids, my wife and I, when she would still play board games with me, uh, back then we would, we were playing a game in our first year of marriage, playing a board game, and I beat her so badly, I just repeatedly and mercilessly, all right? Everybody just so badly that she she picked up her phone and she stomped out of the living room, all right? And I was like, that's about right. That's just, yeah. And don't you come back, all right? She's forgiven me for that since then, all right? She's forgiven. I hope she's forgiven me for that since. But but there's this, I I love to, because something about the sport, about football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, I just like when the whistle blows, and man, you just, you go all out. Whether you got to run faster, jump higher, score more points, whatever it is, You just go all out. But I cannot tell you how many times, especially when I played on a team, how many times I would get to the end of a game and I would realize I left something in the tank. Like I left I left some energy like I could have I could have run faster. I could have worked out harder. I could have done that thing. I don't know. I held back and I just I don't know why I did. How tragic would it be for us to get to the end of our lives and realize, you know, I left a little bit in the tank. I had more love that I could have given, but I never really opened up my heart completely to my spouse. I had more, more mentorship that I could have, I could have done, but I I just, I didn't invest that time with my kids. And I had more, I had more gifts I could have served in the body of Christ or others around me I could have loved, but I, I just, I had, you know, time that I didn't know that I had more than I needed. And, and I just didn't see the value in it. So I just, I just didn't do it. How tragic would it be for us to get to the end and realize that we left too much in the tank? That we didn't give all that we had. That we didn't didn't reach out. I didn't do those things. Let it never be said of us that we didn't go all out. Let it never be said of us that we didn't love with all that we had. That we didn't live our lives giving all that we are. Because it is what God requires of us. So he said to the man in verse 8. He said to him, get up, pick up your mat and Walk. And that was miraculous for the man. This would be a miracle in the man's life because he can't. He can't walk. And So he speaks to him. God, though, isn't asking him to do the miracle. He's asking him to be obedient. He's asking him to give what he has to begin to, to do what he can to be in this. moment. He's asking him to be obedient. He's not asking him to do the miracle, to take a step of faith, to go all in. And the Bible says that at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked at once after 38 years. Strength comes back into this man's life. Not because he did the miracle, but because he was obedient to the word that God had spoken to him. After all this time, the strength comes back. I wonder how many of us are letting years of our lives pass by believing that we're the victim. That we have this mentality that we can't do this or we can't do that because of what happened to us. And we can't do this and we can't do that. How many of us have let so many years pass by when God is not asking us to do the miracle? He's asking us to be obedient to the word that he's spoken to us. He's asking us to give what we have, doing the things that we can. I want to leave you with this verse in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 12, he said to me, he said that Christ is speaking. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. As you're living this life, God has called you to live. As you're stepping into his presence, into his calling, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul is saying, "Therefore, I'm going to boast in all my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Watch the next verse. It says, why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Because I come to this conclusion that when I am weak, then I'm strong. That God works and Christ is working in our weaknesses. And so I don't know what your weaknesses are. It might be the things that you put on your list. It might be those things that you're crying out to God to change, those things that you're trying to make a difference. And so what if the things that we were weak in is where Christ's power would show up the most? What if we turn those over? We were obedient in what he called us to do. And then we asked him to do what only he could. And that is the miracle in the life. That we're in the moment and we're living and we're loving the people around us. And we're doing what we can and we're giving all that we have. But we're doing all of that resting on the power of God. Asking him to show up. We're obedient. and We're resting on him to do to make perfect what he can only make perfect. To be his power in our weakness. Because what will happen is you'll begin to check things off that list as God's power begins to use you and change you and do the miraculous. You'll begin to check those things off and your life will become a testimony to the goodness and the grace of our God. That your light will be an example that will lead people back to Jesus. He says, my power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because you can't do it on your own. God doesn't expect you to. You can't do the miracle. God doesn't expect you to. He expects you to be obedient. All he asks that we would make the most of every moment that he's given us. We'd live the life that he's called us to live. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. I just want to pray that God would help you to get the most out of this year. That we begin to live in the present. That 2020 could be the best year of your life. And I just want to pray that blessing over us. That we begin to live these lives that he's called us to live. Before we do that, though, with every head bowed, every eye closed, before we get to that. I just want to give an invitation because there are some of you who are here today. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter what it was. But for some reason, you're far from God. And you found yourself here this morning or you're watching online. And you find yourself far from the father. Because of something that happened to you. Or because of some circumstance or something you ran from him. And maybe you said, I'll never go back. And maybe you say, well, I just don't believe that. Or maybe you say, I'm just, I'm far from him. And I I just don't think like I can get back to him. I want you to know this morning that he's calling you back. And he's not looking to punish you. He's not looking to get even with you. God wants to rescue you. Jesus wants to set you free. And nobody else is looking around. It's not about them. It's about between you and your Savior. And so if that's you today and you say, I want to make it right. I want to come to Jesus. Or for some of you say, I want to come back to him. If that's you today, I just want to pray with you. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front. I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass you in front of your family or your friends. This is about connecting you with Jesus. So if that's you today, if you say, include me in that prayer, I want to pray that. Would you do me the favor? No one else is looking around, but would you do me the favor? If you say, right now, include me in that prayer. That's me. I want to make that decision. If that's you, would you be bold? And right now, just slip up your hand wherever you are. Great job. Just say, include me in that prayer. Great job. Great job in the back. Awesome. Awesome. Does anybody else, you say, include me in that. I want to pray that. I want to make that decision. I want to make it right. And let today be the day that you come home. As you answer that call, God is drawing your heart. Just respond. You want to join those five. You say, I want to be in part of that prayer. Here's what we're going to do. If you're here in this room or you're watching online, I'm going to give you the words to the prayer to pray. You've got to make them your own. In church, we're going to pray with those who made that decision. We're going to pray this prayer out loud. You've got to say it and you've got to mean it with your heart. So come on, let's pray this prayer. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my mistakes. Help me to live for you. Now say these words. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name. Now God, I ask that you would touch our church. Lord, I stand in faith together with them that 2020 will be the best year of our lives, Lord. Because we're going to spend it seeking after you. God, we're going to live in every moment that you've given us. Lord, we're going to be a part of every moment. We're going to be where we are, Lord. We're going to do what we can. Lord, we're going to step into the steps that you have for us. We're going to be answer the call that you have called us to. Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to answer that, Lord. Whether it's in their marriages or with their kids, God. Or with their relationships. Or their careers, God. Or if it's kicking an addiction. Whatever it is, Lord. That this would be the year that you bring the change. That we would be open to it. God, I pray that as we take these steps, Lord, that sometimes we don't even think are possible, that we would do what we can. And then I pray, Lord, that you would show up. That as we give 100%, God, that you would show up and you would do what only you can do. That you would show up and you would do the miracle. That you would do what only you can do in your power. And we're open to that, Lord. As we begin to live this life, we thank you for miracles in 2020. We thank you for answered prayers, God. For changed lives. We pray all that in the name of Jesus and all God's church said amen and amen. Can we put the hands together for what God has done today?